Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Get hyped, everybody. Free agency is right around the corner, just a few days away. This is the Silver and Black Pridecast. I am Levi Damien. I am joined by Tyler Smith, as is often the case. And we are going to do our pre-free agency primer here on the Silver and Black Pridecast. We're just going to kind of talk about uh, the positions on the Raiders what they should do with those positions, how they should go about addressing them, and and uh, we'll just go from there. All right, so let's start things off, Tyler. Let's uh, let's start off with the with the quarterback position. How about that? What do you think Raiders should do with that position right now, if anything? For this year, I think they should stand pat. I think Derek Carr deserves another year in the John Gruden system. And if you're going to take a quarterback in the draft, uh, I don't. I definitely don't think this is the year to do it. Next year or the year after, if if Carr goes through this year and he's terrible, you start over next year, um, probably going to have a high pick if that's the case, in which case you've got Jake Fromm on the board, you have Tua Tagliavoa on the board, you have a whole bunch of other guys who would be on the board at that point, and that would be the time to make a change of quarterback, but definitely not for the 2019 season. So I think they should just stay with what they have for now. Are you really going to talk about the quarterbacks in the, in the 2020 draft and not mention Justin Herbert? Oh, I'm disappointed. But, you know, I'm with you on that. I really am. I, I think, I mean, as far as free agency is concerned, I mean, free agency for a quarterback is always a dud. There's just there's just n- never really anything out there. I think right now the only thing that's expected to be there is Nick Foles and um, Jaguars uh, reportedly where his destination is going to be, and I think that's a good place for him, um, taking over for Blake Bortles and whatever happens to J- Blake Bortles if he gets cut or whatnot. Uh, I don't think that would be a certainly be a viable option in any universe. So yeah, sticking with Derek Carr this year, giving him in that giving him that second season in Gruden's offense before you make a final judgment. You know, giving him maybe some better protection and some weapons, and seeing what happens, seeing if he can be the long term franchise quarterback. I certainly hope that Herbert does well enough this coming season, where he'll be considered in that tier with Tagliavoe and and, and Jake Fromm. Um, I'm not sure that he will. He's he's wildly inconsistent, but when he's at his best, he's as good as either one of those guys. So I really hope that he raises his draft stock considerably. I think he might have been a top five guy in this draft if he'd come out, uh, but he still has a lot to prove. All right, so let's move on. Running back position. So what do you think about the running back position? What uh, should the Raiders do? I think the Raiders have a bit of an ace in the hole with Chris Warren. They stashed him on IR in the last year, um, and he, uh, he he seems to be a guy that the Raiders are pretty high on. So he might be in the starting mix next year. But there are a lot of guys in the draft that are really interesting. There's Josh Jacobs from Alabama. There's Damian Harris also from Alabama. 
Uh, there's a guy I really like a whole lot, um, Montgomery from Ohio or from uh, Iowa State. He uh, he's a great receiver out of the backfield. He's a tough runner. And if they wanted to go that route, they could spend a second or third round pick on on the running back position. Or even if they wanted to go with Josh Jacobs, that might cost them pick 24 or 27 uh, if they like him enough. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of options there, or they could stand pat with Warren and, and Jalen Richard and hope Marshawn Lynch comes back. So there's a lot of options there. Um, but I really like some of the running backs coming out in this draft. I, um, I think the only thing I would, I, I don't know if I necessarily go with, uh, Chris Warren as an ace in the hole necessarily. I, I'm not a big, I'm not, uh, big on being sold on preseason performances. He did look quite good. And I think he's, uh, I think he's definitely in the plans to, to be part of the, uh, running, running back group in the off season and training camp to see if he can be a contributor in the season. Um, so I would put him in there as, as part of that group, but they definitely, uh, my, I would say their first option needs to be to, to wait to see if Marshawn Lynch wants to come back. And if they're, if they're honestly, as they are sounding like is the case, if they're honestly open to, um, basically it being Marshawn's choice, whether he's ready, to, if he wants to come back, uh, I think that would be the first great thing. I mean, even Doug Martin, if he, uh, if he comes back on another really cheap deal, might not be a bad insurance plan for that. I wouldn't be a fan of Josh Jacobs in that first round. I think you got to look at other positions, but definitely on day two, you got to think about bringing in a running back in day two. I don't think they can do like they did a few years ago when they needed a running back and they waited until the fifth round to get DeAndre Washington. That proved not to be the really the answer. Even though he's hung around, he hasn't really, he's never really been the, the answer. I never thought he was in the first place. Uh, obviously, Jalen Richard, he was an undrafted guy that same year and he's outplayed uh, Washington thoroughly. But even he is still just a receiver out of the backfield. He's not really not really part of a two-headed monster type of situation like uh, like Gruden likes to deploy. So you got to bring in somebody else. Or, you know, you said keep uh, Marshawn, and then you could uh, do that as well. All right, next up is the wide receiver position, which is hot right now coming into the weekend, as it were. It were still one of the most critical need positions, and the Raiders made a huge move this weekend agreeing to terms on a trade to acquire Antonio Brown teaming him up with Jordy Nelson at the receiver position gives them two starting receivers, albeit in their early thirties. Where do you think they go from here at the wide receiver position, Tyler? The Raiders have uh, the best wide receiver in the game right now. I think unless you think DeAndre Hopkins is somehow better than, than Antonio Brown, uh, but Brown's production kind of puts him over the top for me. And, and that's something that they have not had, uh, I think, maybe since the days of Fred Bolitnikoff. And that's going to be a huge boon for their offense. And it also has the added bonus of making this kind of a put-up-or-shut-up year for Derek Carr. If, when you have a guy like Antonio Brown, you can either play or you can't. And we're going to see what Derek Carr is made of. Uh, that does not necessarily mean that the Raiders should not go out and draft a wide receiver highly, because this would most certainly be the year for them to do so. This year is is fantastic in the draft uh, for wide receivers, and there's also some really good guys like Tyrell Williams that they could go out and get in free agency. Um, but if when you look at the first round of the draft, you've got guys in it like DK Metcalf who just blew up the combine. Uh, now I'm not necessarily sold on on Metcalf because he did most of his damage. Uh, on uh, fly routes and also on on hitch routes. He's not a guy who can run the whole route tree. He's not a, um, the most reliable guy, and he's also a guy with, with the injury history. 
but he did do so well and measure so well in the combine that somebody is going to take a flyer on him uh, in the top 20. Uh, and there's also um, Antonio Brown's cousin in this draft, uh, Marquise uh, Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma. Uh, he's not the biggest dude in the world. He's about 5'10". He's about 163. Uh, but the guy is fast. And he was the favorite target for both Baker Mayfield uh, and Kyler Murray in his last two years at Oklahoma. And, and he's a guy who can stretch the field. You know, when you have that number one receiver on the other side, you might want a really good deep threat. And Hollywood Brown is about as good as you can get from that. Uh, so he just had a list Frank injury in his foot. And anybody who followed the career of Darren McFadden can tell you how dangerous those things can be long term. Uh, but if he's healed up, he might be a guy the Raiders look at maybe in their in their sec with their second round pick because they don't have a third round anymore after trading it for Brown. So he might be a guy that they target with that number 35 pick. Um, my personal favorite uh, receiver in this draft is Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State. He's a huge, huge. He has the longest arms they ever recorded for a wide receiver in the combine. He's just massive. He's six six. Uh, he catches everything in his in his catch radius. He's just fantastic. I think he's really, really underrated. I think he's a guy that they might want to look at with that 27 pick. And there's other guys in the draft like A.J. Brown, who was uh, Metcalf's teammate at uh, at Ole Miss. And, and there's some other fantastic guys, Kelvin Harmon from NC State. I mean, there's so many places they could go. And just, just uh, citing Antonio Brown does not mean that they shouldn't look for another guy. I'm absolutely with you on the on the fact that bringing in Antonio Brown does not mean that they won't or shouldn't go for a receiver high in this draft. I absolutely think they should. I think basically it just kind of takes them out of uh, the idea that they would maybe go after any of these receivers in free agency. It's not a very good free agency market. I mean, you basically have Golden Tate, Tyrell Williams uh, at the top of the list. And uh, and when you're paying as much money as they just paid out for uh, Antonio Brown to go after another free agent receiver, one of the top guys would uh, just be a lot of money to shell out at the receiver position. So I think the draft is definitely the way to go. You mentioned a couple of guys uh, that are that should be high on their list because right now they still need an X receiver. That's not what Antonio Brown does. And they still need a slot guy honestly. And they still, you're still looking at Jordy Nelson going into his final season at the at age 33. So I think basically uh, Hakeem Butler, Nikhil Harry, Marquise Brown, any of those three, should they manage to fall into the, the second round of that 35 pick? Any of those guys who are available there, I think would be a great selection. Uh, maybe even at 27, if they think if they're if they really like uh, the guy that's on the board and they're worried that he wouldn't be available in the second round to go after him, then. But uh, yeah, they d- doesn't uh, doesn't keep them from uh, making wide receiver a priority. It just isn't so much of a a holy crap. We have to we got to do something because they did do something. They made the made huge move, um, getting Antonio Brown and bringing him in here, giving Derek Carr the best target he's ever had at the wide receiver position of course you have the the worries that the that the honeymoon could wear out fairly quickly like it did with randy moss back in the day after he had one season he was a problem child in his second season um or you could even just look back at michael crabtree last year i mean they had all the chemistry in the world he was his go-to guy when he needed a first down when he needed a touchdown and then at the last part last few games of the season they just had a falling out and and by the by the game, final game of the season michael crabtree was a ghost and then he was gone once the offseason hit so you you uh you kind of worry about that in the future but right now 
Uh, people are riding high as they as they should, getting a weapon like Antonio Brown. He's 31, and he, but he takes really good care of himself. He works really hard. I would expect he has a couple of years of elite play. And sh- so should he remain happy, I think they should get pretty good production from him and give Derek Carr a great target. If you're looking for a spot guy, there's a couple of guys who are pretty intriguing to me in this draft. The first one is Andy Isabella from UMass. Uh, he's a guy who really showed out in the senior bowl, and then he goes to the combine, and he runs a 4-3-1. So we know he can back up what he what he showed in the senior bowl as far as his speed goes, as far as his hands go. The dude's just fantastic, and I'd love to see him in silver and black. Um, the other guy is Hunter Renfro from Clemson. He was at Clemson for approximately 15 years of his eligibility. He was just there forever, uh, playing with all those great quarterbacks that the Clemson Tigers had. And he, he is a perfect slot guy. You know, they're, they're, Clemson always had these big, tall, giant receivers, and they would make the big plays. But when, when they needed a first down, he would take on that Jordy Nelson role, and he would move the chains every single time. And no one could ever guard him. Uh, and I, he's going to be like a, he's gonna be a fourth-round round to sixth-round guy. Um, but whoever gets him, they're going to get that Julian Edelman type, you know, just goes out there and grinds. I mean, that's, that's really cliche, but that's essentially who Hunter Renfro is. Um, and whoever gets him is, is going to have a fantastic player on their hands. Well, I, I, of those two guys, I would say uh, Renfro probably the more likely for them to get, merely because I think that uh, that 35th pick is probably too high for Isabella, and they don't have the third-round picks, and, and I don't think he'll last until the fourth round. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you if Renfro would be more likely to be around in those later rounds, it seems to me. But yeah, other of those guys, if you're if you're looking at a slot receiver, which they are, because they they need one. They, except for, you know they had Seth Roberts, uh, but he's not the same type of player. He's a, he is a slot guy, but he's not that same type of um, slot receiver as as guys like Andy Isabella. And he also can't return punts or kicks the way those guys could. So that's an added value for a player like that. All right, so let's move on to the tight end position. Tight end. What are you uh, What are you thinking? I, well, option one A would be to re-sign Jared Cook. He really played well last year, and, and I think he has several more seasons of, of excellent play within it. Uh, so I think he he is definitely a guy that Raiders should try to to pay and hang on to in free agency. If they if if he leaves, they basically have nothing, uh, and they they have some promising young guys, but they don't have anybody who's really proven themselves at at the level Jared Cook has. Uh, if, uh, he, if he does end up leaving in free agency, there's a few options they have in the draft. There's three first-round tight ends in this draft. Uh, there's Noah Fant and T.J. Hawkinson, both from Iowa. And if those guys both get drafted in the first round, uh, that would be something we really haven't seen before. Two guys from the same position from the same school getting drafted in the first round is, is kind of a rarity in the NFL. I haven't personally seen it in a long, long time. And there's also Irv Smith from Alabama, who's a pretty good run blocker and also a pretty good pass catcher over the middle. And so if the two Iowa guys are gone, um, you can fall back on Irv Smith. And, and there's a few other tight ends, not quite at that level, which you can get in the later rounds as well. But I think holding on to Cook would be the best option for the Raiders at this point. That's where I'm at as well. You, uh, you don't, what you don't want to do is you don't want to go into the draft having created a need at a position that doesn't it wasn't otherwise necessarily a need. There are enough needs on this team as it is. And you go into the draft with everybody knowing that you have a need at this position, you knowing you have a need at this position, and then you're forced to reach for a player at that position. And even if it's not a reach, even if that player is projected to go around that pick, what if you're on the 
on the clock. And on the board is a player that was shockingly there. Somebody like, I don't know, Derwin James, for instance. And you're sitting there looking at who would go on to be the, the top rookie in the NFL and, uh, and clearly a, an all-pro safety in the NFL. But you need a tackle, so you go with the raw Colton Miller. And if they had taken care of, not that they necessarily could have, taking care of it in the offseason. I'm just speaking in generalities and using one example for a generality. If you were able to take care of said position in the offseason and not put yourself in that position in the first round to have to take a certain position, you could you could say, all right, well, a good tight end's on the board, but this other guy, like say, I don't know, Cleveland Farrell or something drops to the 27th pick or whatever, and you're like, you have a chance to get Cleveland Farrell at 27 and do you, and you need the pass rush obviously on this team more than anything. What do you do? You like, do you, you're like, Oh no, we have this need at that tight end. We got to take a tight end. And you have to pass up on the guy that you, that, uh, that you, that you really need at another position. It's just, it's just not a good place to put yourself. And if you, you can look at it in another way and say, you keep Jared cook, does that prohibit you from drafting a tight end? What if you get to pick 35 and one of those three guys you just mentioned is sitting on the board? Any of them would be worthy of the 35th pick. And you, I mean, you gave yourself the luxury to wait. And then you draft him and you pair him up with Jared Cook in John Gruden's offense. That two tight end sets, which more and more in the NFL has proven to be a pretty good formula for success on offense. You have two fast wide receiver quality tight ends on your offense for the next couple of years. And then when Jared Cook rides off in the sunset, you still have the other guy. And you just kind of set yourself up really well that way, I think. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, so I think that uh, keeping Jared Cook would be a good idea. I also, honestly, I kind of liked what I saw from uh, Darren Waller at the end of last season. I think he could be um, I think he already kind of knocked Derek Carrier out of that number two tight end spot, and I think he could be some pretty good depth going forward. So I don't think I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little bit of a pin in Darren Waller as a as a contributor at the tight end position. I do agree with that. Um, I do want to say this: a couple of years ago, some pictures leaked on the internet from a binder that somebody had found in a garage sale somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, I believe Seattle. And this binder was full of the 2010 draft notes and scouting reports from the Oakland Raiders. They had scouted every single player who was going to be in the draft, and they ranked them, and they, they said what they thought of every single one. And the number one player on that draft board that the Oakland Raiders thought was the best player in the entire draft was Rob Gronkowski. And they didn't draft him in the first round. They didn't draft him in the second round because he was there, and they traded their second round pick to the New England Patriots. Patriots promptly drafted Gronkowski, and he's most likely been the best player from that draft class in the NFL. So the Raiders were right, but they just didn't make the pick. So if, if you have a guy, even if he was a tight end, even if he's not in a position of need, and you think he's the best dude, you have to take him regardless. It, it doesn't matter at that point, because eventually down the road, he's going to start one way or the other. No, there's definitely room for that school of thought. I mean, I've always been a... Um a big proponent of the idea of best player available is kind of a kind of a myth that teams just don't do that and wisely so i mean even if i mean if you think the best player and 
if you have Aaron Rodgers and you think the best player in this draft is a quarterback, you don't draft a quarterback. You know, it's, I mean, that's an extreme example, but that's it's it's usually a combination. It should be. It should be. You should set yourself up to where you can use a combination of best player um, at a need position. You just kind of weigh those things out. The moment that you force yourself to go one way or the other, or you have to, as I mentioned, reach for a need, that's when you get yourself in trouble. Anyway, I understand that in general, but for the Raiders right now, there's nobody who should be blocking anybody if you think he's the best rookie in the draft. No, that uh, there's an argument for that when you consider the fact that they just have so many needs. You could just you could pretty much just <laughs> just say any of the any position, but say maybe center. <laughs> that yeah. any position, maybe the center position. That um, might be the one that you don't pick somebody in this. <laughs> you don't pick the any, best player. Any other on the position board. I think is fair game. Let's uh let's move on to our next position in our quest here and move on to the tackle spot. You know what uh they started a couple of rookies obviously last season and Colton Miller and Brandon Parker. I don't think that was the ideal scenario. I don't think that's what they wanted. Clearly with uh having put Donald Penn at right tackle at start the season that's not really what they necessarily wanted, but uh that's what they were left with. Um and what do you think they how do you, where do you think they go in the position this year? This would be a decent year to try to draft an offensive tackle. Uh, I have a favorite offensive player in this draft. He's not a skill position player. He's not a quarterback. He's not a running back, tight end, not a wide receiver. He's, he's a tackle. And it's, it's uh, Andre Dillard from Washington State. Mm. Uh, he showed out in the senior bowl. He destroyed the combine due to 6'5", 306. He's light on his feet. He's got all the skills you want. He's a great run block. Dude is, is the best pass blocker in the draft, in my opinion. Uh, if they wanted to draft Dillard and stick him in either right or left tackle or wherever they wanted to have him, uh, at, at the start, I think he could start day one. But if they wanted to give Brandon Parker another chance, Dillard is about as good depth as you can get. Um, I don't see a ton of, of free agent tackles that I would want the Raiders to, to go after or even you know, people they would want to trade for. Um, but this this uh, this draft has a fair share of tackles. Um, if you wanted to wait till the second round, you can get a guy like Greg Little from Ole Miss, who's the guy who's fallen down draft boards. But I think he's he's the guy who could start in the NFL. Um, I just think Dillard is is head and shoulders above anybody else as far as, a, as an offensive tackle in this draft, um, and he can be had at, at pick twenty four. Um, you know, it depends on what what other teams want to do, but but uh, I think he'd be a great target for the Raiders. I s- saw what he did in the uh, combine, and yeah, that dude is a monster. Um, I really, I, I agree with you that I really like, I really like Dillard. I, I, I have a feeling that uh, a lot of other teams are probably going to like him, and he might not be available to the Raiders when they want to pick him. But I actually like the free agent class a little better. Um, I think they, there's a few guys like Daryl Williams, Juwan James. Trent Brown and even Eric Flowers because he was playing left. If they want to switch him over to the right side, he might. Who knows what they could get? But they, they really, I think, I would disagree with as you said, giving Parker another shot to be the starter and bringing in depth. I mean, you were basically talking about bringing in a guy like Dillard, who who they would. Sorry, if Parker would be given another shot, it basically basically be a competition for that spot. But I think what they need to do is they need to bring in a veteran to start at right tackle and then if parker can develop behind that starter then great 
And if he can't, then fine. They have their, they have their start for the next couple of years. Uh, I really, I'm not really necessarily, I'm not really a fan of drafting a tackle again in the first round or the second round. If they can get some value later, that's fine. They, they definitely need depth, but uh, I think they need to just get themselves a starter and put that starter in right now. That's where, that's where I, that's where I think their best bet would be. Okay, so let's move on to um, guard. Let's talk about the guards. Guards, we're guards. Well, guard is a little bit on the thin side in this draft. There's one guy who really stands out, and that's Cody Ford from Oklahoma. Uh, he's a big dude. He's a real road grader in the middle. Um, in the event that the Raiders decide to cut Colestio Semele, he could be a guy that they go after. Um, and there's some others later on in the draft, but there's nobody really on Ford's level as far as I'm concerned. And I, I think they, they made a really, really good move in uh, bringing back Denzel Good. A uh, good move as it. I didn't even realize I said that, but uh, pun intended or no pun intended as it were. Uh, bringing back Denzel Good, I think, was a, a great move. They they got a real find in him off of waivers from the Colts after they did him wrong when his you know, his brother died. That whole situation was just ridiculous. So um, recognizing that he was talented and bringing him because he's a swing he's a swing guard tackle. He can he can uh, be that utility backup guy they need. He played really well late last season. Um, I think he offers them a lot. Um, as far as an uh, insurance, um, the the two guard spots and an even tackle and a pinch, so I you go with that. I think you're I think you're all right. If if you keep that together, um, I would I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't go too high again on on a guard. I would say so I was thinking about signing like a a guard center. In the middle, uh, in the mid mid round, maybe the fourth round or something like that. I mean, we'll get to center. Um, I guess we might as well just get right right to center because they're so similar to guard anyway. But but you know, John Feliciano's probably leaving. He was their utility guard center, and they're going to need to replace him. And getting a guy in that the, the fourth round that can that can play center or guard to to come in there uh, would really kind of complete that the the depth that they need at that at the in the interior. Yeah, there's a guard from Florida I like a lot, Martez Ivy. Uh, he's a he's a real big dude and he's pretty strong too. The Gators had a really good running game last year and he was a big part of that. I'm not sure if he can play center. Um there's a center from Mississippi State, Elton Jenkins, who who tested out pretty well at the combine as well. So if you wanted to go with center in that fourth or fifth round, you can find somebody to play that. All right, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball, um, and let's start with the interior, the defensive interior. The Raiders last season, they they spent big in the draft. Uh, well, you could say spent big. They got they used second round pick on PJ Hall, and they got a um, steal, if you will. It looks that way at this moment in getting Maurice Hurst in the fifth round, and they. Um, one of Gruden's first orders of business was to give Justin Ellis a long-term deal. So they, they clearly um, like him enough to have him in the fray. Um, and then there's the big question mark on what Eddie Vanderdoes um, will ever become. So what do you, uh, what do you think would be the wisest move for the defensive interior? I'm inclined to say this is one of the best 
drafts for interior defensive linemen I've seen in a long time. Um, but the previous best draft that I've seen with defensive linemen had Gerald McCoy in it. And Gerald McCoy went really high to the Buccaneers, who I believe are going to cut him uh, very shortly. So if the Raiders wanted to bring in a free agent uh, as far as defensive tackle goes, McCoy might be a good option. But when you look at the draft, you see a guy like Quinn Williams from Alabama, and he is a, a fantastic defensive tackle. He can play three technique. He can play zero technique. He can play the five, whatever you want to do. And he is an absolute pass rushing terror, and he can stop the run really well as well. So I think if he's there at four, he might be the guy the Raiders actually look to, to draft. And you've also got a guy like Rashawn Gary, who I think is much better on the inside than he is as an edge rusher. Uh, and you've got Ed Oliver as well from University of Houston. Uh, he slid down draft boards a little bit. He got hurt, and, and teams just aren't sure where he's going to play on the defensive line. But I think he can play anywhere, especially in a 3-4 scheme. Uh, so if they wanted to draft defensive tackle, this is most certainly the draft to look at that really, really closely. Yeah, I'm personally not – I, I, lo- I love Quinny Williams as a, as a talent. He's, he's, a, he's an amazing talent, but I'm just, uh, it's, it's so tough to think of them spending such a high pick on the defensive tackle position. Um, I'm not even sure he makes it to four overall. I mean, I, I, I've seen some mock drafts having him going to the Jets, and I can absolutely see that happening. But if you can, if they're sitting at four and you've got a guy like, you know, Josh Allen or something on the board, and you have the desperate need at uh, at pass rusher that the Raiders have. You 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 take that. You 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 take that pass rusher you need, and you and you be happy with it. And you said if it's such a great class, that means it's pro- then it, that would suggest it's a deep class. And maybe if you want to get a defensive tackle later, you can. They we just talked about them going with defensive tackle in the second round last year, and you know getting Maurice Hurst and uh, having him show a lot of potential to to then go right back to the position again um, high in the draft seems unwise, I, I guess, even if you're talking about a great talent like Quinn Williams. I wouldn't be averse to – I mean, there are a couple of guys that are uh, expected to be free agents. Muhammad Wilkerson and Henry Anderson are, the, are probably the top two defensive tackles out there. They're probably the only two that really jump out. Then, you know, you consider – I think they should just – they should re-sign Jonathan Hankins first and foremost. You do that, and you basically, you know, you you complete your rotation. You have Justin Ellis and Jonathan Hankins at the nose, and Maurice Hurst and PJ Hall at the at the, at the three tech, and then Eddie Vanderdeus can be whatever he or nothing. Uh, you, you know, you can you can have you have luxury of waiting to see if he can develop, um, and then you really don't have to do anything. And then again, we go back to the best position to be in is to not have to do anything. You don't have to draft defensive tackle you don't have to sign one you have what you need okay so we just talked about a moment ago what about the defensive end you know pass rusher that the raiders need it's been well documented that they had 13 sacks last season which was 17 more than the next fewest which is something i've never seen in my life uh, a more anemic pass rush than that and of the defensive ends they have on the team currently um, they got one sack from Arden Key, and you can talk about all the pressures he got and all the times he could have had a sack but didn't, but he didn't. He had one sack, and something absolutely has to be done about that. And uh, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but go for it. It was pretty morbid watching the Raiders pass for us last year, especially from their edge rushers. But they're in luck because this is the best draft 
I have personally ever seen. I know I've said that a lot today, but this <laughs> is the best draft I've ever seen for edge rushing talent. The top, like three of the top four players in this draft are, are considered edge rushers. The top one being Nick Bosa from Ohio State. And he's obviously Joey Bosa's little brother, but he's, he might even be a better player. I mean, the dude's 6'3", he's, he's 270. He's great against the run. He's great against the pass. His pass rushing moves are just, they're supernatural. The dude is an absolute monster. Uh, and he's been mocked to the Cardinals at number one forever until it came out, oh, we love Kyler Murray. And now everyone's like, oh, they're not going to draft Nick Bosa. He's going to fall to the Niners. Uh, I don't know if the Niners would want him. They have a whole bunch of edge rushers over there. Um, but next on the list is Josh Allen, the guy from Kentucky. Uh, he's an outside linebacker. He's a defensive end. He's even played inside linebacker. They've asked him to drop down in coverage. They've asked him to rush the passer. They've asked him to stop the run. And he can do all three really, really well. Uh, Allen, to be honest with you, is my dream pick at number four in this draft. I hope he falls. And if he doesn't, I will, I will cry. Um, I'll be sitting there in that draft room in Nashville. And, I, and if I don't see Allen one in a big black Raiders jersey, I will be very upset. Um, Allen reminds me a lot of what I saw on tape from Khalil Mack out of the University of Buffalo, just wrecking games by himself, forcing fumbles, getting sacks, just changing games on his own with a defense where everyone else was nowhere nearly as good as him. Even though Kentucky had a pretty good defense, Allen was so f- head and shoulders so far above everyone else, it was ridiculous. I mean, the dude's an all-SEC player. In his junior year, he was second-team all-SEC. The guy's been good for a really, really long time. And I think he'll be good for the next 10 years. And he's absolutely 100% what the Raiders need at, at outside linebacker. He's a total fit for the scheme, total fit for everything. Uh, if you look beyond that, um, Rashawn Gary's listed as a defensive end. I don't necessarily see him in that role. Um, but I do like Montez Sweat from Mississippi State. I mean, the dude is blazing fast. We saw what he did at the combine. I mean, huge hands, huge length, huge, huge arms. Everything about the dude just screams this guy's going to trash the combine, and he absolutely did. Uh, he didn't necessarily have the same productivity uh, in his actual college career as you might expect from somebody with that size and ability. Uh, maybe he's a late bloomer. Maybe he'll come on later. Um, maybe he'll be better as a pro than he was as a bulldog. You know, we'll, we'll find out in the next few years. Um, the guy that I like a lot better than Sweat, actually, is uh, Cleveland Farrell from Clemson. And I, I've watched Farrell work on a fantastic Clemson defensive line for for a couple of seasons now, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, um, but he's great on moves coming coming along the edge uh, and just getting the quarterbacks. Uh, he, he has he's just like a missile just goes straight for him, and he's good against the run. But his pass rushing skills are just fantastic. I really love him. He's he's got good size. He's six five, two sixty. He's just he's just huge. He's fantastic. Um, he's a guy who would probably be drafted around the 8 to 12 range. Um, so if the Raiders don't like anybody at four, they could probably trade down to somebody who would be interested in drafting a quarterback. And I'm sure there'll be quite a few of those teams this year. Um, so I really like Farrell a whole lot. And there's some other guys like Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech that I'm a pretty big fan of. Um, and he, he's, a, he's a big, strong pass rusher as well. And then there's a guy like Ja'Kai Polite from Florida. You know, profile similarly to, to Farrell, but but he didn't uh, didn't have a great combine, sort of blew out his leg or maybe fake blowing out his leg. We don't really know. Um, but didn't do well during interviews. People didn't really seem to like his personality. And that could drop him into the second or third round for all we know. So he could be a guy the Raiders look at you know, after the first round to, to bolster that pass rush. And there's, a, there's actually quite a few other guys. Um, you know, somebody like Jalen Jelks from Oregon, you can probably get in the fourth or fifth. 
if you wanted to, to double dip on pass rushing. So, you know, if you want to, if you want a pass rusher, this is definitely the, round, the draft to do it. No matter what round you're looking in, somebody's going to be there for you. Okay, so you mentioned the words double dip, and I am going to be totally with you on the double dip thing. But my version of double dip is free agency and the draft. They absolutely have to go for a guy in the draft, but I think they should start by getting somebody in free agency. They need passwords so bad that they can't just they can't just draft somebody and they can't just sign someone in free agency. They need to do both. And even with all the all the franchise tags that were handed out, almost all of them being to pass rushers, there are still some pretty damn good ones that are set to hit free agency, most notably uh, guys like Zadarius Smith, Ezekiel Ansah, Preston Smith, Trey Flowers, uh, Dante Fowler Jr. Guys, uh, those are probably your best bets out there for bringing in a free agent pass rusher, um, and any of them could be would be an, abs- an upgrade for, for this team, which is obviously not saying a lot. But uh, you bring in one of those guys, I mean, I really like – I got, I don't know. I mean, Zeke Lance is a little bit uh, older, so obviously he wouldn't be a long-term deal guy, but I really like what he could bring. Zedaria Smith, I think is great. Preston Smith, any of, I mean, any of those guys would be, would be, I think a valuable addition. And you could even go a little further and say like a guy like uh, Michael Johnson, who uh, Paul Gunther is familiar with from his days in Cincinnati and uh, guys like that. Yeah. The uh, pass rush obviously is going to be the most critical critical need of all and we already covered white receiver that's also another really uh need that they really really have but pretty close behind defensive end and wide receiver as your top needs is the linebacker spot Uh, they definitely need to have a linebacker to hear whitehead was there um he played almost every snap last year and he struggled a lot of time especially in coverage there were some coverage stats out there that were a little eye-popping um and he's their, supposed to be their top guy. Nicholas Morrow, they did some stuff late in the season. And I liked him from his rookie season, so I think he should have gotten his opportunity since early on. But even if he is the um, – even if they do intend on continuing to give him a shot at that outside linebacker position, middle linebacker is, as has been the case for several years, an absolute, absolute need. Um they had Markel Lee and, J- and Jason Gaminda in there, you know, with a handful of snaps each game, switching back and forth. And I just don't think that they can get away. And I'm, you know, and just kind of tired of saying it. Obviously, don't think they can get away with that again this year. They've got to, they've got to bring someone in. Well, I would absolutely love them to go and sign C.J. Mosley. Uh, who was uh, not going to be franchise tagged by the Ravens. Uh, he would be option 1A for me. Uh, I have really liked that guy in college. He was fantastic at Alabama. Um, I wish the Raiders would have drafted him, but he spent several good years with the Ravens, really proven himself. He's a fan favorite over there. Um, and he, he, he is a guy I think you just throw money at. Uh, I think you throw money and you don't worry about your middle linebacker spot for the next five years, and I think you're good to go. Um, as far as the draft goes, there's two guys who are head and shoulders above anybody else, and that's Devin White from LSU uh, and uh, and Devin Bush from uh, Michigan. 
and they they both did really really well at the combine. They both have fantastic speed, um, good tackling ability. Although I think Bush's tackling ability is a little bit better than Devin White's, although White is a little bit faster and a little more athletic and rangy. Uh, so it just depends what you want in in a middle linebacker. But either one of those guys, both of them are going to be first round picks. White's probably going to be a top ten pick. Bush is probably going to be taken somewhere between twenty and thirty. Um, so I think if you wanted Devin Bush, you could use either one of twenty four or twenty seven to go get him. Um, but those those guys really stand out from the pack as far as middle linebacker. Uh, okay, I have to go back to something you just said a minute ago that you said you wish the Raiders had drafted C.J. Mosley. Um, I I think you might want to backtrack on that because you know what draft class he was in, right? I do. I just wish they had an extra first round pick. Yeah, well, we can wish that they had 32 first-round picks, but but there was just no way they were going to draft C.J. Mosley, nor should they have uh, in in that particular draft. But uh, but yeah, I mean, they could have a chance to to get him. He's certainly the top guy out there at that position, and he's absolutely the guy they need to go after for that middle linebacker spot. But he's not the only one. Um, Anthony Barr is another guy. He's not the middle linebacker, but he's he could be the outside linebacker that they need. I think he's a perfect fit to come in. Um, if you, I mean, if you got C.J. Mosley and Anthony Anthony Barr, you'd pretty much you'd fix the the linebacker issues the Raiders had right now. A few other um, decent uh, options for free agents include K.J. Wright, Preston Brown, Avery Williamson, any of those guys. Um, have something to offer. They'd be, you know, those, as you go down the list, of course, they would get a little cheaper if they're not interested in paying um, the price that um, Mosley is undoubtedly going to command. And with the lack of the, the attention that they've given the middle linebacker as a priority in years past, it's hard to imagine suddenly they're going to going to do that. But who knows? They could surprise us all. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned... Uh, if they can't get the guy they want in free agency or if they just get a guy who uh, who's a short-term answer and they still need the long-term, obviously you have Devin White, some uh, guy you'd have to uh, trade. If you only, you'd only get if you traded down into the um, top 10 and that or Devin Bush who uh, could probably be had at either the 24th or the 27th pick. Those are obviously your, your top options in that regard. They're not the only ones, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I really like some of the options that, that are available in free agency for that spot. All right, let's move a little deeper into the defense and uh, let's look at the cornerback position. They had off and on Gary and Conley and uh, Daryl Worley as the starters last season. And they ended up um, kind of, by, by midseason being the two guys at that position. Um, Conley is obviously kind of a foundation piece, and they really like Daryl Worley, and they should. He's a very solid tackler, has an attitude. He's a competitor. I really like what he brings to the field, and uh, I think they have two pretty solid starters. What they really need to think about is a slot corner. They had Nick Nelson as the, as the guy, their fourth-round pick last year, but he did not show a lot in the way of um, being the guy, the answer at that slot spot. Uh, so what do you think they should do at that position? There are uh, there are a few options in the draft, but I really like Worley and Conley as the two outside starters. Um, there's, there's several guys in the draft who could fit that bill. Um, in the first round, you're going to have a few cornerbacks. You're going to have Byron Murphy from Washington. You're going to have uh, DeAndre Baker from Georgia, who's my personal favorite out of the bunch. 
Um, and, but later on, you can get a guy like Julian Love from Notre Dame. Uh, he would fit as a slot corner. A guy like Rock Yassin from, from Temple. He's flown a bit under the radar, but he had a great combine. I think he'd fit as a slot corner or a nickel corner or, or whatever you want to call him. But I think he's, he would be a, a great addition to any, any NFL team, honestly. He's a fantastic player. Um, and, you know, there's guys later on in the draft, like Amani uh, Aruaye from uh, Penn State. Um, there, there's some other guys too, but I think the Raiders might be set at cornerback more than most, most other positions. Um, so you might only need one of those guys, uh, but the draft's a pretty good place to get one this year of all years. Well, congrats, I got to say, on pronouncing uh, Amani Aruaye, his name, so, so well, just like rolled right after tongue. That's uh, so. Congrats on that. Obviously, so um, my I'm gonna go back to. I really like the. I mean, there's only one position that I like as far as depth in free agency more than this one, than slot cornerback. I've heard people say that the cornerback market is is pretty weak this year, but it's only weak if you think of them in terms of starting outside corners. Uh, there's it's pretty weak on them, but it's has lots of options as far as um, slot corners and nickel corners. You got uh, guys like Ronald Darby, Kareem Jackson, Bradley Roby, Bryce Callahan, Darquez Denard. Lots of guys out there that can be had to bring in for that um, slot corner spot. And uh, there's another guy that one guy got cut recently. Um, Captain Munnerlin is another guy that uh, who could come in and be one of those guys as well. And it's just a, it's a flush market of slot corners, but you know you really can't have enough. So if you're talking about, uh, you know, you can't have enough uh, depth at cornerback, and they could use they could use a lot of depth at cornerback because after Conley, Worley, and Nelson, they got pretty much nothing, and you need at least five corners. So you could grab a guy in free agency, and then grab a, and then if you're sitting in the uh, you're sitting in the second or third round or something like that, and there's a there's a first round caliber talent cornerback staring at you. You bring that guy in there and you, uh, and you really, uh, you got yourself a nice, a nice five, a nice top five. Although I would say this, I've seen a lot of mocks that have Byron Murphy go into the Raiders and I love Byron Murphy. That dude is a freaking beast. I, I was at the PAC 12 championship and watched him single handedly win that game for Washington. He is awesome. So um, I would not, I would not fault the Raiders at all for pulling the trigger on Byron Murphy if he was on the board at one of their late first round picks. Because you want to talk best player available, uh, that could very well be the case if he were he were out there when you get late in that first round. So since we've since I said that slot corner was the second deepest position in free agency um now we get to the absolute absolute deepest position i've ever seen in free agency safety so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go first since i've already since i've already said that safe the safety position is ridiculously flush on free agent talent it's i don't the only thing i can i can think of is it just maybe I don't know. Maybe their teams are just aren't valuing the position like they they once did, or maybe they're looking at the draft saying um, we want some of these these um, players in the draft. You could certainly speak to that. But right now, the list of free agent safeties is insane. Now, not all of them 
are going to fit with what the Raiders are looking for. Obviously, Paul Gunther talks about them not having your traditional strong safety, free safety thing. They really want guys that can swap back and forth and play either position. And they and they have a couple of guys who could do that right now, Carl Joseph and Eric Harris. They can they can both play either position. Obviously, when you're talking about when you get real right down to it, one of them they're going to play one position a little better. They, I think Joseph is a better free safety. Safety. I think Harris is a better strong safety. Uh, and then you look at who's out there, and I think my top three guys on the safety market right now are Landon Collins. Obviously, I think he's kind of everyone's top guy. Um, I I think you know you go hard after Collins, um, and if you can't get him, um, the next best is Adrian Amos. I really like Adrian Amos, and I think Clayton Gathers is pretty good. As I understand it, you kind of like um, Haha Clinton Dix. Um, I do. Uh, I'm not. I, I think he he would be a good option as well. Um, and then the list is really really long, um, but that just serves to help the Raiders to be able to get the guy that they want because. The more you have out there, the more like other teams are going to be like, well, this is the guy we want. We'll take this guy, and we're we're done. We're off the safety market, and then it removes them as a bidder to make guys like like potentially like guys like Landon Collins um, be a little cheaper, or some of these other guys, um, because not every safety is going to fit every team. Uh, but I definitely think that there's uh, um, and there's guys getting cut all the time. And just uh, Gibson just got uh, cut from the Jaguars today. I mean, and he. He, he's he's a solid talent as well. So, um, what are your thoughts on the safety position? Well, the safety position, uh, just like it's the deepest position in free agency, the best position in NFL free agency this offseason, it is the worst position in the draft. If you're looking for a <laughs> player, okay. So, so no, that that is not that. where the Raiders should go uh, this season. Uh, there, there's a few guys who are at the top of the safety class this year. None of them, I don't think, are first-round talents. The guy that I like the most is Jonathan Abram um, from uh, Mississippi State. Mississippi State has a lot of really good defensive players this year. They've recruited really well. They've developed players really well. So I'm a big fan of that program right now, putting out talent into the NFL. Um, Abram, though, is a, he's a smaller guy. He's a fast guy. He does not let up when he hits. And I will say this, that the NFL teams are devaluing safeties right now because hitting and tackling are now illegal. So Mm -hmm. what a safety is supposed to do is simply not valued by the league. And so Mm -hmm. then it's not valued by the teams because if you have a guy making a really good hit, maybe it's a good hit, maybe it's a 15-yard penalty. Who knows? So if you have a safety who's a a great hitter, well, he's kind of a time bomb because he may Mm -hmm. help you, he may hurt you, depending on the situation. Um, but Abram is a fantastic hitter. He's probably the best hitter uh, for a defensive back in this draft uh, overall. Um, but the problem I have with Abram is that he's basically a clone of Carl Joseph. He does everything Joseph does, and he does everything Joseph does just as well. So it's, if you put him back there next to Joseph, you basically have two of the same guy. And that's not necessarily what you would want. Um, but then you look at a guy like Deontay Thompson, who's more of a more of a rangy center fielder guy. It reminds me of one of his predecessors at Alabama, Hawkland uh, Dix, the guy I like the most uh, in free agency. Uh, the problem with Thompson is that near the end of the season, especially uh, in the college football playoffs, he had a bunch of lapses in coverage and just did not look like he knew what he was doing, didn't look like he'd ever played football before. So he has everything you would want uh, physically. He's 6'2", 196 pounds. He's, he's, a, he's a fantastic physical, physical specimen. But it's what's between his ears that's going to be the problem for him. So you're going to really need to coach him up if you take him. But I don't think you take any of these guys 
um, before the second round. Uh, another guy that people like a lot, and I certainly like a lot, is Nasir Adderley, uh, the safety from Delaware. Played really well in the Senior Bowl. Gruden seems to like him. Um, so he's, he's definitely an option there if you wanted to look at him in the second round or, or maybe even the third round if he falls that far, but I don't think he will. Um, so this just is not the draft uh, to go for safety unless you want to just take a flyer on somebody in the fourth or fifth round. Uh, you definitely would want to uh, go with the guys you listed as free agents uh, to solve that problem. Well, that could be um, that could be one of the reasons why, like today, they signed Eric Harris to a two-year deal. You figure, you know, you have a guy that can start, and if not start, he can be valuable depth and uh, and can come in in a pinch. You know, if they want to, they want to run three safeties. They somebody gets injured, he can play both positions. He's also a great special teams guy. And if you looking at if you're looking at the draft and saying. There's just not a lot of talent here that we like, or we're just not sure that the guys we like are going to be available for us. They got to be prepared. I think they kind of start, they came, they set themselves up. And you also, you know, you met, you mentioned talking about like, if you're drafting a certain guy, they're basically a Carl Joseph clone. And that's one of the reasons why I think it, um, being that they've made a commitment to Carl Joseph, they're picking up his fifth year off option. They said he's a, um, a big part of the future. There, there are other guys that I think there are very similar, uh, both in stature and playing style, to that I that I think are going to make gr- are great on the market, but maybe not for the Raiders. Guys like um, Honey Badger uh, and then Earl Thomas, guys, those, uh, two guys out of the top of my head that that uh, you know you they are similar enough to Carl Joseph's playing style that and they're and they're older and you know you just there's no reason you you want to bring in a bigger guy. A guy who can um, cover those tight ends and, and and lay a hit, hopefully legally, which, as you mentioned, is becoming more and more difficult in the NFL to a frustrating, extremely frustrating degree. It's just not the NFL anymore in most cases. But you know, okay. Well, I mentioned a uh, uh, guy like uh, Eric Harris and contributing on special teams. So let's let's wrap this up with some special teams talk. Fist, my friend. Football is special teams. So what do we got on special teams? They, you know, they got a real find in Daniel Carlson. Uh, obviously, Johnny Townsend was not great as a rookie, and they brought in Drew Kayser this offseason to compete at that punter spot. They got Trevor Sieg, who should be back at long snapper. Their return guy, their main return guy, Dwayne Harris, is headed for free agency. What do you see out there, and what do you think they should do with the special well, teams? There are a couple of punters uh, out there who are pretty darn good. Uh, if you wanted to uh, replace Johnny Townsend after his disappointing rookie year, um, there's a there's a guy um, from Rice named Jack Fox. He's six two. He's two o two. He averages forty five and a half yards of punt. He, his long punt was seventy six. Uh, the the dude just has a cannon for a leg. And, you know, we all thought Townsend had a cannon for a leg, and then he came and he he just wasn't that great. Um, yeah, if you wanted yeah. to go another route, uh, there's a guy uh, from Stanford uh, up there in the Bay Area uh, named Jack Bailey. Um, he's averaging 44 yards a punt. He has, as long was 84, uh, so you know he can get it done. I'm not sure um, how good he is at coffin corners or anything like that, but those are the top two punters in the draft. Uh, those might be fourth, fifth, sixth-round guys, and you know, it just depends on how bad anybody needs a punter. Uh, but those are your top two options, I think. 
I'm really surprised in you, um, Tyler. I mean, because Marquette King is just sitting out there waiting to be signed. And <laughs> he might be just, waiting a while. You're just hating. You're hating. Uh, it's, a, it's the only explanation. No, I mean, uh, uh, you mentioned some guys in the draft. I just don't really know if they – I don't know if uh, going for punter in the draft two years in a row is necessarily the way to go. I mean, Kayser has had some – has played well as a punter in the, uh, in the NFL, I think you, uh, you kind of just pit those against those guys against each other. And you said that Johnny Townsend was, I don't think anybody really thought he was going to be a boomer. I think his, his whole deal has always been, they are supposed to be really precise and creative with the, uh, with his punts that he could place them where he wanted. And then he didn't, I saw the logic in sticking with a rookie punter for a team that was out of it, was not going anywhere. If they were going somewhere, they would have cut him long ago and brought in somebody that they could count on a little bit more. But because they were like, "Well, what's the what, what's what what really matters to uh, right now anyway?" So let's just stick with him throughout the year, and then we'll deal with replacing him in the off season. But I think really what you're looking at as your number one priority right now, you gotta you really gotta think about return your return specialist and your gunner and that guy right now is Dwayne Harris and he is the smartest return guy smart smartest special teams guy in the league i mean he had that punt that he stepped out of bounds just as it, before the ball crossed the line and it, it was such a heads up play that even the announcers thought that he made a mistake that they had no idea what was going on and and then the that uh, when he picked up that that uh, that ball that was batted out of the end zone, returned it 99 yards for the touchdown. It's just like my God, talk about a guy who's got ice water running in his veins. Keep this guy, bring this guy back. Do not let this guy go. He's the he's the quintessential like what they say when they when you value a special teamer, you gotta you gotta keep that guy. He may not uh, he may or may not be your your answer at both kick and return specialist. You might want to bring in a speedster to uh, give you a little bit more of a, um, a threat in that regard, but he has to be part of it in some regard. I think he has to be one, either the punt returner or the kick returner. Uh, he has to be the gunner. He has to be the up man or something. You just got to have him in there. You got to have him the brains as the brains of the operation. So I think that's the, the number one thing they got to think about. Yeah, I, I agree think about Harris. I mean, people who really study the Raiders and are hardcore Raider fans already knew how good Dwayne Harris was at, at what he does. Uh, but that game against Denver with that 99-yard kick uh, punt return, it just opened everyone's eyes to say, oh, this guy, he knows what the heck he's doing. He's really, really good. And I just think it gave him so much more respect than he had before, not necessarily amongst Raider fans, but again, amongst NFL fans as a whole. Uh, so I, I absolutely agree that he's a guy you have to hold on to no matter what. He, I don't think it would be very expensive either. I think tops, um, three or four million uh, for what what he can provide. Um, I'm a little surprised with the moves that they've made that they haven't that he hasn't been one of them. But it could be a situation like Jared Cook or others where he's gonna test to see what his market, because you know obviously some that would open some eyes. You know, the, and other teams would be like, well, if you don't want to pay him. To, to stay on your team we'll pay him to come to ours so he might be looking for his for a long-term contract um worth what he thinks he's worth and if the raiders see that and are willing to match it then he'll be back 
But uh, that's when that's what starts on March 11th, when the free agent negotiating period opens up um, before free agency starts on March 13th. So that's what we have to look forward to. All right. Well, I hope our free agency preview was uh, valuable to you. I hope you enjoyed the listen. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Silver and Black Pridecast.